0: Good morning, DBC. How's everybody this morning? Happy 4th of July weekend. Let me just say before I even start just props to our student ministry for the missions that we just saw. And can we just give a praise to God? I love that eight kids came to receive Christ. Sonia, thank you for listening to God as he led you to share that message. And our students, our middle school students as well, just getting to minister. And uh, thanks to Alyssa, the team that led with that. David, all of you guys just going out and serving God. I love that about summertime. We get to do these mission trips. And in the midst of all the vacation and all of those things, there's some really focused energy going towards spreading the message of Jesus Christ. And that's what today is gonna be about. Today is about sharing the message of Jesus Christ, about the freedom that we have in that. And it's about this path to freedom. Now, this morning, first of all, we celebrate the fact that it is Fourth of July. Let's just say that it is good that we have freedom as a country here in America, in the United States of America, to celebrate. Uh, But we have So much greater than that as believers. We have freedom in Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to talk about today as I talk about the path to freedom. And bridging this series that we just wrapped up in Jonah to Philippians. You might have seen that announcement before about where we're going with joy in Philippians. But before we go there, I want to start today by putting a bow on The book of Jonah. Now, I know our pastor wrapped it up last week and finished that, but what I want to do is kind of take a big picture view. Now, it's not exactly an easy thing for me to do, I have to admit to you. First of all, the way I was taught to preach is you take about three to five passages and you go, God, what is it you want to teach us out of that? And really focus in on that. And this is not that at all. This is a big overview. And so it's a challenge, and I want to show you a picture that kind of shows us the challenge. It looks like this. If you could imagine, our pastor said, first of all, Philippi is where we're going, right? So you can see Philippi there all the way in Greece. Ancient Greece is where that is. And then our pastor told us that the city of Nineveh, where Jonah was called to go, is today Mosul in Iraq. I bet we might have some military vets that have actually been there. Have you all been to Mosul? Yeah, yeah way far away from Philippi. In fact, if you were just to drive it, Google Maps says it's going to take you 24 hours. So kind of a long way to go. And I'm just telling you that because like where we're going today is kind of a long way to go, but that's okay. All right, I'm going to help you on this path. And we're going to go down this path to freedom. And we're going to look at this big idea. Freedom is God's great gift to humanity. Can you say that with me? Freedom is God's great gift to humanity. What I want us to see here today on this freedom weekend here in the United States that we're celebrating is that we actually have even much greater freedom than what we celebrate as Americans in our freedom in Christ. And that freedom is actually a gift that God has given to humanity, to all people. And when we look at the book of Jonah, We're going to see that today. Before we do that, let's pray. God, we thank you so much, first of all, for Jesus Christ. We thank you that he gave his life for us. God, we thank you that we have this message that Jesus has given us freedom, that he delivers us from whatever it is that we are going through, from the sin in our lives but also the things that entangle us. God, thank you for that. And we just pray that today that you will open our eyes through your word. We give you thanks now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So listen, today we're going to look at freedom as God's great gift to humanity. We're going to start in Jonah chapter 1. And I'm going to talk about, first of all, that we are free to walk. We're free to walk. Now, Jonah 1, 1 through 3, it says this. starts with these words. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for her evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose, and he went the other way. He fleed to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. From the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. My Bible here, the NIV, says to flee from the Lord. He literally went the other way. Now, if you haven't been with us through this series, I want to do just a really quick recap of Jonah. This is going to be really fast, so hang on for the ride. It goes like this. Just what we saw here, God calls Jonah, Jonah goes, you know, I'm not going that way, I'm going my way, and God calls up this storm. He's on a boat, the storm comes, and the sailors are throwing stuff overboard, what are we going to do? And Jonah goes, uh, might be, that might be me, I, I'm kind of running from God right now, and so you got to throw me over. And they're like, no, we can't do that, throw me over, so they throw him over, it all gets calm. But then Jonah gets swallowed up by a great fish. This is the part we can't always get our heads around, but God literally caused a fish to come and deliver him in the direction that God wanted him to go. He spits him up, and Jonah's on a mission, and he goes right to Nineveh like God said. He preaches against the wickedness in the city, and the people repent. He can't believe that. The people actually repent and turn back to God. That's what we've seen here, and we've spent the last month talking about this story and learning principles out of this story. But what I want us to do today is to step back and take the bigger picture and look at God's word on the whole and understand how we have freedom, each and every one of us. You see, the Bible talks about free will, that human beings actually have free will, Now, if we're gonna get philosophical, there's free will and there's determinism. Now, you might tell me, you know what? I'm not much of a philosopher. I don't really get into that stuff. I'm grateful I had a teacher in high school that in government class of all things, he went, hey, if we're gonna understand government, we gotta start with philosophy. And so we started with Plato and Aristotle and shout out to Coach Tucker, man. Coach Tucker taught me to understand that you gotta know these things and it actually, if you don't think that you deal in philosophy, how many of you have happened to mention the multiverse maybe with your friends lately or you talked about the upside down or maybe you talk about karma. Oh, that's just karma, you know, things come around. We all live by philosophies, okay? There are things that teach us and guide us in our culture that we don't even know is happening, but you're taking it in through the movies you watch, the shows you see, the people you talk to. We receive this, and we live by it. But as believers in Jesus Christ, believers in God, we actually have a foundation that goes beyond our culture now, I'm going, to sh- I'm going to share with you something that's really, really deep and profound. The Bible is the foundation for truth. Turn to your neighbor and say, the Bible is the foundation for truth. Come on, just say it. If you're watching online, you can type that in. The Bible is the foundation for truth. Now, listen, I love watching Pastor Allen's sermons and going, man, I'm writing this one down because, boy, that's deep stuff. That's good stuff. This is not that, okay? This is like kindergarten at vacation Bible school kind of depth right here. But here's the reality. The Bible is the foundation for truth. And as believers in God, we need to remember that and understand that. So as you go about your life, Remember this principle, and I want to show you a few things that it shows us about what we're learning here in Jonah. Watch this. If we go back to Genesis, all the way to the beginning, chapter 2, listen to these words. The Lord God commanded the man, Adam, you are free to eat. You are free. You're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you're not free to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. All right, right at the beginning, the book of Genesis, right where we start, it says you are free. You have a choice. How about we move ahead a little bit? Deuteronomy chapter 30. God has just given his law to the people in the book of Deuteronomy, and Moses is before them, and he's laying out for them some final words. This is just before Moses is about to prepare to die. And God says through him these words I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you may live and that your offspring may live long, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and your length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your forefathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Do you see that? You have blessing. You have curse. You can choose which one you want. You have life, you have death. Which one do you want? You have a choice. In 1 Kings chapter 9, Solomon has just built the pinnacle of worship for the Hebrew people. This temple is described chapter after chapter, how it was going to be just drawn up and built, and it was magnificent. And after they dedicate the temple, God meets with Solomon. He literally, there's a, a, an experience where God comes to Solomon, and God said to him, Solomon, if you follow after me, there will never cease to be a descendant of your line on the throne of Israel. But there's the blessing, if you choose to follow other gods, then. All of these calamities will come to you. The kingdom will be divided, and you will fall away and be hauled into exile. God said these words to him, you have a choice, Solomon, follow after me or go after other gods. And we know how that happened. God gives us free will, but we must live with the choices of our consequences. We have free will. God has not predetermined things, so we just go about doing our things, and I'm just a robot, and you know I have no say in this. This is just what was for, ordained for me, and I can't do it. You have free will. Now, there's a mystery here. There is a mystery here in God. How is it that he gives us free will, and yet he knows And he, as we get into the New Testament, we'll talk about predestination, and that's not what today is about, but there's a whole mystery here in understanding this. And I love how the book of Proverbs says it. This is one of my favorite verses, and this was so cool. This morning, literally, I'm reading a a plan that um, has me in the Old Testament, New Testament, and Psalms or Proverbs. And would you believe, this is just how God works, this morning, the devotional and the Psalm, the Proverbs, was literally this right here. Proverbs 16, verse 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord determines their steps. We plan our courses. We make plans. But ultimately, God determines our steps. Now, you think about the stories I've just shared, and you go, now, wait a minute. Adam could have lived forever. Eve could have lived forever. We could have not had sin and death. Why why didn't God predetermine that? Why didn't God predetermine that the the people of Israel, Solomon, wouldn't turn away from him? You know, why wouldn't God do that? Well, God actually has a bigger plan. And coming back to this here, the Bible being the foundation, we're going to see today a glimpse of God's bigger plan as we look at the book of Jonah and as we continue through the book of Jonah. So the first thing we have is that we are free to walk. You're free to walk where you choose to walk. God says, I've given you this. As human beings, you have that freedom. But I want you to look at Jonah chapter 2, and we have freedom to worship. Now, about three weeks ago, Pastor Alan Tolliver talked about Jonah chapter two, and he talked about the decisions that we make and the way that we sort of apologize, maybe, but maybe not quite. You remember that whole thing? When I read Jonah chapter two, probably because I'm a worship pastor, it just jumped off at the page. I was like, whoa, Jonah's in the whale and he's worshiping God. He prays to God in the midst of this awful situation. He just got thrown into the sea and then swallowed up by a great fish. And what does he do? In his distress, he calls to the Lord. He cries out to God from inside the fish. I want you to remember this principle: worship God when you are at your point of deepest need. Worship God. Look to Him. Don't look to the circumstances around you. Oh God, look what's happened to me! I'm in this fish, and what am I going to do? No. He worships God. Listen to what he says. He says, In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. I was in distress. I called to God. He answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry. Do you hear what happened there? He starts with, Out of the depths I called out to God, he answered me. At the end, he's saying, you, God, you heard my cry. When we worship God, when we seek God, when we pray to God, he hears and he becomes personal. He becomes personal to us. He's no longer he, God. He is, oh, you are with me. You are my deliverer, God. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the sea. The current swirled around me, and I said, I've been banished from your sight. Oh, but when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to your holy temple. Now, when I read these first words, in my distress, I called to the Lord, I couldn't help but think of some other scripture verses that said almost exactly that. Do you remember Psalm 130, out of the depths? I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Or one of my favorites, Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. The miry clay, some, some translations say, and he set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. I was in the muck and the mire and he gave me a firm place to stand. And this is the part I really love. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. And the result of it is that many will see and fear and put their trust in him. Do you see where the psalmist is? Do you see where Jonah is? Do you see where we are I am in that place. I look at circumstances around me. How many of y'all read this weekend? There was a great article, a great article in the New York Times talking about on this 4th of July weekend, the state of disunity in our country. If you didn't see it, you need to check it out because it was well-written and really was, it wasn't about one side or the other. It was just stating the facts and showing us we truly are divided right now as a nation, I don't know about you, but I I get really upset about this. I get to the point where I I just if there's something that causes me anxiety, it's when I, I shouldn't be reading world news, but I do sometimes, and it causes me anxiety. And for me, that's the muck and the mire, the miry clay, the stuff I can get bogged down in. And what happens when you're in that? You start talking like that, and oh, did you see this? Did you hear this? Oh, this is so bad, and man, we are so divided. But when we go to God, we go to his word, we worship him. He transforms us. And he takes that language that we had in the muck and the mire, and he puts a new song, a new song in our heart, new words on our lips. He transforms and changes us through the experience of worshiping him. I gotta give a shout out this morning to our worship team that led us this morning. Thank you guys for the way you led us this morning. Those words where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. They just resonate with us. And the whole purpose of worship on a week-to-week basis in church is to put words like that inside of us so that it comes out of us, so that we say, God, Out of the depths, I'm crying to you right now, Lord. God, fill my heart with good things. Transform me. And what happens in worship is it changes us. And it always involves thanksgiving. When we're changed, we give thanks. But it also involves sacrifice. Sacrifice. Listen to what Jonah says at the end. I, with a song of thanksgiving... Will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah's worship in the fish brought him to a place of thanksgiving. How in the world? Now, I told you this sermon is kind of bridging to Philippians. There's just a little glimpse here of Philippians. Paul wrote that book in jail. And when you hear the next few weeks' sermons and you hear the things that he says out of jail, it actually kind of resonates with the kind of thing that Jonah can say here. This calm, this place of thanksgiving before God, saying salvation comes from God. He's literally in a whale. And salvation comes from God because he knows, he believes, he understands. He understands. And as we point forward, Watch this in the New Testament, John 8.36. We sang these words today. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You will be free indeed. Are you starting to get the idea here? It's the big picture of God's word, that we have freedom. Freedom is God's great gift to humanity. All the way from Adam. Adam, you can eat from this tree or from any of the other trees. But if you eat from this tree, you will die. But you have a choice. Solomon, you can choose blessing or curse, but it is your choice. All the way to Jesus saying, if the son, referring to himself, if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. You have that freedom available to you. And I'll talk a little bit more in the next point about how that is available to us. But we have the freedom to make our choices. You are free to walk. You are free to worship, worship God, to give him praise. You are free also to walk it back. Now, this is the real message of scripture. I told you a little glimpse of it, God's redemption plan, God knew we were going to make mistakes but he has also given us a second chance listen to what he says in the first verse it says the word of the lord came to jonah a second time a second time he is a god of second chances you may have said you know what I'm just going to go my own way, do my own thing. I'm going this way. I know God said, you know, I I get that, but I'm going to do my own thing. And at whatever point you come to the place where you realize all I'm in is this pit and this muck and this mire, God says, you get a second chance. I'm giving you a chance to turn it around. Now, listen to what we see here. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. And it says in verse four, on the first day, Jonah started into the city, Nineveh, and he proclaimed 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. And literally the next verse, the Ninevites believed God just like that. The repentance of the Ninevites was swift. It happened right away. They heard the word from the Lord, and right away, they put on sackcloth and ashes, it says. They repented from the greatest to the least. And then, all the way to the greatest, it says, when the news reached the king, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, and covered himself with sackcloth. The repentance of the king, that is surprising. The repentance of the king is surprising. I mean, it's one thing for all of the people. Look, this fish-smelling guy walks into town and says, God's going to destroy this city in 40 days if you don't turn. I get it if the people go, okay, yeah, you know, we might need to change some things. But the king in his palace, in his royal robes, this guy? But the king repents unbelievably. Where does that come from, really? Really? Did that come from him and his humanness? I don't think so. I think God compelled him. But it's remarkable, isn't it? And here's the amazing thing, that the response of God is salvation. When God saw, listen to this, the king said, who knows, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so we will not perish. The next verse says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion. He had compassion. And he did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. God had compassion on them. Now that word, he had compassion, in the Hebrew, it actually means he was remorseful. He was sorry That's another one that's kind of hard for us to understand. Wait, God is righteous. He is judge. He doesn't have to be sorry about anything. And yet that is the heart of God. Hey, do you remember anywhere else in Scripture where it says he had compassion? You remember the parables of Jesus? How over and over again, Jesus sees a blind man. And what does it say first? He had compassion on him. Jesus saw a beggar who was lame. And he had compassion on him, and then he healed him. Over and over and over again in the New Testament, Jesus, the Son of God, every time we see him do a miracle, we read he had compassion. Now, people look at the Old Testament and God of the Old Testament, and he is God of wrath and judgment, and I, I, I don't know if I understand that God. I think I'm going to reject that God. Jesus is just all right with me, right? Like He's good but I don't know about this God of the Old Testament. And yet, what do we see here? Jesus and the Father are one, he said. He had compassion. The Father had compassion. You think Jesus might have come to understand that from his relationship with the Father, all of that time he spent with the Father? That's where he learned that compassionate heart. He said, before he went to the cross, he said, I and the Father are one. And he prayed to the Father that we would be one as they are one. That in the same way that this word of God proclaims the unity of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, that our living out of the Christian life would actually proclaim our unity. That's the heart of Jesus. So when you look at world circumstances, that article I was just talking about here in America, how disunified we are in the church, it's so easy to divide as well and to be divided over political lines and all of these things that we're working through as a country. I mean, this is a divided time right now. But what did Jesus pray for? He prayed for us to be united This is also a little look forward to Philippians. The last week in Philippians chapter four, you're gonna hear a message on unity. That is the heart of God for his church. So what I would say to us is as all of this stuff is going on in the world, this muck and this mire that we're in, that we unite as a church of God. As the church of Jesus Christ, we are united and that that stands against What the world sees. Not that they look at Christians and go, oh yeah, they're on that side, but that they go, no, they're actually on both sides and yet they're united. That will proclaim freedom. That is the kind of freedom that we need to see. Because as you remember, freedom is God's great gift to humanity, it's God's gift. He has given that. That doesn't come from us. But I want you to look once more as we've kind of spanned through Scripture. We're going to go a little further to Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. It says this, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Take a look at those words right now. Declare with your mouth, believe in your heart, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified. We sang about that today, about justification. We cannot stand before a holy God with sin in us and be justified, but Jesus did that for us. And with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. That is the message of freedom in Christ that we have that choice you can choose to confess with your mouth and to believe in your heart we started all the way at the beginning at the book of Genesis now i want to take us all the way to the end to the book of Revelation in the book of Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 Jesus says this here i am i stand at the door and knock If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus stands at the door, but he gives you freedom. Freedom to walk in his direction, to say, come in. I need you. I need you in my life. Freedom to worship him and freedom that we all need to walk back from where we were. Now, some of you, you might find yourself here today saying, you know, I, I know those things. I've heard that. I understand. And I believe in Jesus. Jesus. Maybe you find yourself, as I'm kind of doing to myself today, preaching to myself, saying, you know what? I kind of find myself in this muck and mire of global politics. And just what could happen? I mean, if you read anything, good grief, it's just overwhelming. Maybe it's your own personal life circumstances. Maybe it's a relationship you're in. Maybe it's a job situation that you're in right now. And you go, you know what? Everything coming out of my mouth right now is just talking about this hardship and these difficulties in my life. And oh God, I need you to clean me out. Put a new song in my heart. Do for me what you did to Jonah and the whale. Help me to see that I'm not in these awful circumstances but that I'm actually going through your salvation. That one blows me. I can't get my head around that to be honest. But I understand the way to do it is to turn, to walk back, to worship him. Say, God, I need you desperately. Put thanksgiving in me again, God. Put sacrifice in me. Help me to lay down my stuff, who I am and what I bring here. Just let me lay that down and just worship you. So I want to ask you today, how do you need to walk it back today? Because I think every one of us in some way here, myself included, can find something that we need to walk it back and go, God, man, I messed it up. Some of you today, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're here in the room and you just came today and you just go, you know, I don't know why I'm here even. I just kind of showed up today. I don't know why I'm watching today online. But, but when, when you said that verse that said Jesus is at the door knocking, it's, something's going on inside of me. Maybe you're in a place where you go, there's something here and I I just know I need to figure out, how do I walk that back? I'm going to help you with that in just a moment. We're going to pray together. But some of you today, you might be saying, you know, I I can relate to you, Robert. I've got this thing in my life that is just overwhelming me. I've got anxiety. I've got depression. Um, Maybe it's an addiction in your life. Maybe there's something that God is saying you need to give this over to me. You need freedom. You need to let that go. You need to walk back out of that way. Let God put a new song in your mouth. I'm gonna pray right now and I just wanna ask you to close your eyes and just ask God to examine your heart. God, we ask you right now to help us see what you see. God, help us to have a clearer picture, Lord, as we've seen in your word from beginning to the end, God, that you are about redeeming us, saving us from our bad choices. Thank you for giving us the freedom to make these choices, but God, we desperately need you to walk in the right way. God, we we can plan our courses, but, Lord, you determine our steps. And so, Father, right now, I'm asking you to change my heart. I'm asking you to come in and transform me through the power of Jesus, to make me new, to make me clean, to make me free. Come in and change my life. I want to live for you and to walk in your way, God. That is my desire. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, if you're here this morning, and maybe you're watching online, or you're here in the room, and you, you would say, you know, I've, I've never been to that place before in my life. And you need to talk to a pastor. I'm just gonna come down here while we sing a song that talks about just that very thing. Jesus talked about a prodigal son who went his own way, but the father was there waiting to receive him when he turned back, when he walked it back. That's what we're going to sing about right now. And if you want to talk or pray with me, I'll be down here. We'll be in the lobby after the worship service. And if you're watching online, Gary McIntyre is there to talk with you as well. And I uh, would love to, to pray with you. And um, can we just say thanks to God for the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ?